0: Oh, I'm drinking too many of these bubbly sodas before we do our, our show. I need to not do that. Mike check. Mike peak check. Peak pop. Peak pop. We are we have reached. We have reached peak. Peak popping. Pops will are no are just all downhill for me. <laughs> all downhill. Pop. Pop rolling, really. Welcome to this, our fourth episode. To keep the last episode's metaphor going, this is senior year. We're ready to graduate. And I think it is time for us to announce the actual name of our podcast. If you're listening to this, dear listener, you already know the name of our podcast. And we technically knew before now. We technically knew before now, but I suppose it is now time to unveil. Uh, You are listening to Two Most Difficult with Paul and Laura. Uh, You might be asking yourself, oh man, that's an interesting name.
1: What does it mean? You might be saying to yourself, wow, that name is so cool. However, did they come up with such a cool, cool, cool name?
0: You might be saying to yourself, what is this guy doing in my house? And why is he telling me about his podcast? Well, look, It is a reference to the old programming maxim that the two most difficult things in computer science are cache, invalidation, and naming things. Plus, uh, it's two of us. Uh, We are the most. And I like to think I give Laura a difficult time. So I think it all works. I like to agree with that. (laughs) Good. That wasn't that difficult, I suppose. (laughs) You're already making a liar out of the name of our show. So, uh, what have we been up to? Uh, We haven't really been up to a whole lot except uh, playing lots of games to bring you the content you need, dear listener, and that we crave to bring you.
1: Please, don't make us play any more games. No,
0: no. (laughs) This is what we signed up for. This is the business we have chosen, and we will deliver content.
1: No, truthfully, it, it has been a joy. I like, uh, there are lots of games that I like to play. I tend to get really stuck on wanting to play the same things over and over. So I've really enjoyed yeah. the experience of, of busting out some old favorites and rediscovering some new favorites and also pruning a couple.
0: I've always been someone who's just reading the rule book for the next game while I'm playing the current game. And this has been a nice change for me too, to be able to play a game three or four times, to really get a feel for for how to try to win the game, which I typically don't do, but it's been a good experience. So
1: the other day, or this past weekend really, we were doing the MIT Puzzle Hunt. MIT Puzzle Hunt. So fun, so exhausting. I'm totally brain dead. Um, if you've never
0: heard of the MIT Puzzle Hunt, uh, Laura's
1: going to tell you all about it right now. I'm, I'm not going to tell you all about it. I will tell you a couple things about all it. Right. a <laughs> Fine. It is a, it's a weekend-long affair. It is basically these really super difficult puzzles uh, that you work through all weekend and bang your head against a wall and sometimes get a glimmer of hope as you solve one tiny piece of one and they get stuck again for hours staring at a screen <laughs> it's a lot of fun and you definitely definitely don't want to win no because you want... then you are <laughs> no. stuck building the puzzle for th- like thousands of people next year yeah at any rate it was very fun. I the Where I was going with this is specifically that it took us a little extra
0: time to yeah. get this
1: one together for you. And also to illustrate a point, we knew we were having people over for the puzzle hunt this weekend. And Paul got a... What was the Kickstarter you got this weekend?
0: I got Merchants of the Dark Road.
1: Lots of parts. Yeah. It was a beautiful box. He could not wait to open this thing. And despite the fact that our friends... Literally, we coming over with all their computers so we could set up. <laughs> Paul had spread out the entire game across our table. I can, I can, <laughs> I can
0: unbox and bag this thing before they get here. No, I could not. I could not. They had to wait, standing there, holding, literally holding their monitors while I cleared this table off. Literally. So yeah, that was uh, that was our weekend. Ordinarily, I would not uh, bore you, dear listener, with a minutia. But uh, the MIT puzzle hunt is an interesting thing, and the more people who know about it, the better, I think. Yeah, some of you might enjoy it. Some of the one of you. The one. Some some, <laughs> some of the one of you. So uh, now we've arrived at the point where we will tell you what games we have on tap. What do we have on tap?
1: Yeah, we have assembled three app-driven games for you today.
0: Yeah, app-driven games. Uh, some people don't actually like them. Uh, those people um, bless their hearts, as my grandmother would say. App-driven games are great.
1: If you're the sort of person who likes to have your phone handy when you're playing
0: games anyway... Sure. ...it should fit right in for you. Why not drive the game that you're playing? Uh, So we have uh, The Search for Planet X. We have Alchemists. And we have another game I got off of Kickstarter called Houston. We have a dolphin. (laughs) So uh, stick around. I'm going to go refill my water glass. Uh, Laura's going to go get a... What are are you drinking? A Chablis? A, shir- a Shiraz.
1: Generic red blend with attractive label.
0: Is that the label with the Snoop Dogg on the cover, I think? It is. <laughs> so uh, so we're we're drinking the, I you know, I don't want to disparage Snoop Dogg's wine to, by making a classy wine joke. I, it could be good wine. I have no idea. I'm not a wine drinker. I am drinking it. Yeah. So stick around and we've got that coming up for you. If we look out into space, we can see all kinds of things. We can see a lot of vast nothingness. We can see uh, the eventual end of our species. The inevitable heat death. The inevitable Mm -hmm. heat death. Uh, We can also see lots of satellites and space garbage. If you look really, really closely, you can see that, that red convertible that Elon Musk launched out into space. Is
1: there a dummy in that convertible?
0: Uh no, cuz Elon Musk is still here with us. Oh. <laughs> yes, there was a dummy. They were playing Space Oddity by the great David Bowie, rest in peace. But what we cannot see is this planet that some scientists think might exist. It exists potentially in theory way out there. And there's there's some facts in the rule book that the rule book is way over there. Wait, pause. Yeah. Is
1: this game based on an actual theoretical planet? Yeah. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, there's this theoretical planet that's out there that would explain, I guess, some weird stuff about the universe. If your brother were here, he'd be happy to explain Does this have to do with dark matter? No, it has to do with Planet X. Okay. So this game, The Search for Planet X, is all about the search for Planet X. And no, it's not the place where all of my former wives live. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) it is The search for a planet that could apparently explain a lot of weird stuff that physicists and astronomers can't quite explain about how... Like particles
1: behave strangely around it or something?
0: I think it, yeah, I guess it has to do with the behavior of some stuff that they see in the sky that they don't fully understand. and, and, And they say, well, look, if there were this giant planet that were way far away and had an orbit that looked like this and it were this size, that would explain why these other celestial bodies behave this way.
1: I mean, the one thing that I do know for sure about Planet X is that it's not adjacent to
0: a dwarf planet. It is not adjacent to a dwarf planet. That's true. It appears empty in certain sectors, but if, like, we could see Planet X, then that wouldn't be much of a game. It'd be like, the search for Planet... Oh, there it is. Found it. Easy. Easy game. Let's
1: tell our listener about the search for Planet X,
0: the game. So, uh, the search for Planet X. What we have here is a... Big circle, representing the solar system, divided up into 18 sectors if you're playing the advanced mode. You could play the the lesser mode, but really, like, just go all the way. Just go all 18 sectors. Uh, Around this big circle are the player markers in the shape of these cool individual little telescopes. And we rotate our way around and around and around the track. As we take actions, we spend time, and, and that is reflected in how far ahead of other people you might be.
1: It works a lot like Nova Luna oh, yeah. or Patchwork, if you've yep. played any of those games. That kind of thing.
0: So in the middle of the sky is the is this wooden token that represents the sun, and spinning around that wooden token is this cardboard disc that indicates which sectors of the sky are visible. Specifically which half of the sky. Yep, specifically it's half of the sky. As players perform actions in order to get more information about the sky, uh, you move your markers around the outside, which causes this visibility disk to rotate along with the players so that half the sky is is always visible at all times.
1: And it's always based on who is behind Yep. sets the first sector that is visible and then it goes around for the next nine total
0: yep for the next nine total there are spots on the board that will indicate when it is time for players to maybe make very public guesses about what they think is in each sector of the sky and there's a couple of spots where the game will give you some information early on about where planet x might be Um, once those spots are passed over they don't really do anything once they get passed over again and again But players can put down theories every time this spinning disc in the middle rotates over one of the icons that indicates, hey, it's theory time. So
1: as the name of the game might suggest, the object of the game is to locate Planet X. Planet X. And to get there, you have to slowly logic out what is in other sectors to rule out where Planet X won't be, so that you can figure out where Planet X is. And you're looking for comets, asteroids, dwarf planets, gas clouds. And that's it. And that's it, right?
0: Yep. Okay. So you might be asking, well, how do we, the players, uh, know uh, if we've guessed right or how does the game tell us? That is because this game, dear listener, is driven by an app. (laughs) And if we haven't lost you by now, because some people are hesitant to partake in app-driven games, if we haven't lost you by now, then uh, stick around because uh, we've got some thoughts. But let's finish telling you about how this game works a little bit, and then we can go into our thoughts about this game. On your turn, you can survey a section of the sky, either one tiny little sliver or very large all the way halfway.
1: And the more narrow the sliver you look at, the more time it costs you to do that.
0: You tell the app what you're looking for, and how big of a section of the sky you want to scan for. And it will tell you how many of that thing are in that section. So for example, you say, I would like to scan sectors one through nine for asteroids and it will go bling, bling. There are three asteroids in sectors one through nine. You write that down on your little sheet and that just becomes another extra piece of the logic puzzle for you to solve to figure out what is in each sector. Other things you can do on your turn, if you're willing to spend a relatively bunch of time, you can pick one sector and say, hey, computer, tell me what is in that sector. And it goes bling, 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 and tells you exactly what's in that sector. You can only do this twice. You can do that twice through the whole game. So you should use them very wisely.
1: Then you can also research a certain topic. And the research categories, they change from game to game, but it's typically... The relationship of one type of object to another type of object in that game for example in the game that we just played i researched uh gas clouds and comets and it told me that no gas cloud is opposite a comet
0: yeah uh the thing is about that research is it's very cheap to do time wise so it's great to do if if people have just left you in the dust but you can't do it twice in a row so you really only get a chance to do it once and then you would actually have to survey this guy
1: And I think you put your finger on one of the strategies that has congealed, I think, for both of us over the course of playing this game, and that is typically it is most advantageous to move as little as possible so that you don't give your opponent multiple turns as they catch up to you. That's correct. And one of the ways to do that is to constantly survey large swaths of the visible sky for whatever it is you're looking for, or if you are able to take a research action because you haven't taken one recently or in the past turn then that only moves you up one space
0: so the game just kind of goes this way where players all kind of rotate in turns and if they if they play it close to the chest then more or less it goes around the table with everyone asking the computer hey what's in these sectors and the computer telling them this this is well no i'm going to start that over again because that's not how it works at all (laughs) it's complete opposite of how it works Cut. Take two. So then the way the game ends up shaking out is players go around the table asking the computer, hey, I'm looking for this object in these sectors. How many are there? And people start writing that stuff down until eventually they figure out what's in this sector, what's in that sector. And when the previously mentioned time for theories comes out, You can start putting down theories about, I think there's a comet in this sector. I think there's a gas cloud in that sector. And that's important to do because despite the name of the game being the search for Planet X, you actually get more points from successfully guessing and successfully
1: guessing first what is in the other sectors.
0: It's not enough to just be able to find Planet X. In fact, you literally can't win the game just by finding Planet X. When you tell the computer, I know where Planet X is, it says, great what's on either side of Planet X. So at the very least, you have to know what those three sectors contains, and you get a bunch more points if you know what the rest of the sky also looks like.
1: So here's where things get a little interesting. In this game that Paul and I just played, I noticed that Paul was scanning repeatedly for (laughs) asteroids. And then when it would come to offer up your research, I saw him putting down tiles on these places that he just asked about. I thought, well, those must be asteroids. And he's figured it out before I have. So I better put down some asteroid theories as well. My
0: big brain. My big brain. I'm a trendsetter. I'm a tastemaker.
1: Turns out Paul was wrong. Mm. And I was following along with his wrongness. Matter of opinion.
0: I mean, (laughs) we can't trust the computer. Computers don't know anything. And when
1: you guess wrong, you have to move forward in space. There's a time penalty.
0: Yep. Now that we've talked about how the game works and we've touched a little bit about how the game plays, let's talk a little about how we feel about this game. It's been a journey with this one. Oh, I've got some opinions about this. So the easier version,
1: there are two sides to this board. There's yes. a, a 12 sector version on the opposite side. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed that. It left me wanting more. It, yep. was, it was a little easy ultimately, but played would you quickly say, was satisfying.
0: Would you say we got more? In the form of the 18 sector board.
1: When you say got more,
0: what do you mean? I mean we got more. We got six more sectors and a whole bunch more. Rules. I mean, we
1: got a ton more headache yeah. and frustration. Yeah. There were times in both of the last two games we played where both of us had to erase large <laughs> portions of
0: what we'd written down. On oh, our this pads. most recent game, I erased my entire map because I had completely Because of those asteroids. Because of these asteroids. I had to erase my entire map. Uh, I'm going to go on a little aside here. The very first time I was handed a Sudoku, I am not kidding you when I say that I probably spent about six hours trying to figure it out. And it was like a medium Sudoku. (laughs) It was the first Sudoku I had ever been handed. I didn't know anything about solving Sudokus. I didn't know any of the cool tricks and tips that they have now. I was so angry at this Sudoku that I vowed never again would I waste my time. And then a week later, I had a Sudoku app on my phone. It was amazing how quickly I pivoted.
1: That's because Paul does not like being bad at things.
0: I don't, you know, I don't like being bad at things that I feel like I ought to be good at. You know what? Someone tells me you suck. You can't do ten pull-ups. I say you're absolutely right. I there no universe can I do ten pull-ups? But
1: someone tells you you suck. You can't do a Rubik's cube, and next thing you know, Paul's really
0: good at Rubik's cubes. Uh, well, I've, that's debatable, but at least Paul knows how to solve a Rubik's cube. So that's the journey that I went on personally with this game is is I went from this game's this game's fun, it's cute, to flipping over to the eighteen side and just and just getting whooped by my wife.
1: So the first game we had on the eight or maybe the first couple of games we had on the eighteen side, I quickly figured out that there is at least essentially like an opening move. Yeah. uh, a way to approach your first sets of scans based on the rules that certain objects have for example the dwarf planets all occur in a band of six yep so if you do a quick search of a sector and you find zero then you know that six has got to be on the other side of the board yep or maybe you find all six or maybe you find a slice in them and you know it's got to be at one of the sides of what you just scanned yeah it's a great place to start and enables you to identify some bodies sooner Uh, Than others. And then you kind of branch out from there to looking for the other things that have very specific rules, like the asteroids, which have to be either in a band of four or in groups of two. And then you start to look for these little oddball ones. There's only two gas clouds on the whole board, there's only two comets on the whole board. And you sort of work through things in that way.
0: Yeah. Initially, I was really put off by that. I'm not going to follow these opening moves. I'm my own man. I'm commander of my own fate. I'm going to figure this out by scanning for gas clouds first. No, no, there's a reason why that doesn't work. I, I think this game is designed in such a way that you're supposed to follow things in a, in a kind of a more or less certain order. Otherwise, you kind of you go to your own peril by trying to, to go outside of the path. And that is both the, a strength and a weakness for this game. When people solve Sudokus, you don't complain that, well, there's only one way to start a Sudoku. Like, we all just know that there's there's a way you start the Sudoku.
1: I sort of want to know how it is that you start Sudokus. Side note, for another time. Oh, but- I
0: roll some dice, and then I kind of <laughs> randomly put numbers in the squares. Is that not how everybody else does it? So initially, I was really resistant to that. But the last two or three games we've played, I've started to kind of embrace that. I've embraced the idea that that this is how the game was designed to be solved. At least in my opinion. I'm not here to make... I'm not a game scientist. You play however you want. I play however I want. And if you want I, to look for gas clouds first, you look for gas clouds. That doesn't work because then you just beat me. So, you, of course, you'd be telling me to do that. <laughs> but it seems to me that you're supposed to find the dwarf planets first and then the asteroids, and then maybe you do a little research to find some comets or the gas clouds, and ultimately you end up where planet X is. And I think one, if everybody knows that, then it becomes a really tight race. And the problem is we have yet to have that race actually happen because most of the time one of us makes a huge logic mistake. Paul put
1: the ass and asteroids in this one. Yeah,
0: I really did. I we we make and it dragged you down with me. <laughs> we make some huge logic mistakes and then we realize that we've completely screwed up and, oh, we kind of drag ourselves across the finish line by like our upper lip or whatever. And
1: and I followed you down it. You so did. If I had just waited, I thought, well, I'm not sure about that area yet, but it's got based on him betting on it. It's got to be this. Yeah. If I just waited until I revealed it myself, I probably could have saved myself a, quite a bit of heartache and certainly would not have made other logical mistakes <laughs> subsequently. So Yeah.
0: So this is a lot of ruminating and, and pontificating about the nature of the puzzle in the game. But what we really need to decide is, does this game stay on our shelf? Yes or no?
1: You know, it's funny. I My first reaction was a, an enthusiastic yes. Yep. We got to a point... When we played this a couple of days ago, where you just completely gave up, gave up on the game twice in a row, where I thought this is definitely a no. It could also game is worth this. The (laughs)
0: one-two punch of you just completely dominating me, and our precious, adorable little baby daughter screaming in the background, making Mm. it difficult for me to think. Mm -hmm. I've kind of come around a little bit. On this, I think it still deserves a little bit of a place on our shelf, if only because we still have yet to execute what I consider to be a flawless game where neither of us have made a logic error. You
1: know, I'm really glad to hear you say that because I'm going to be totally honest. I have felt a bit sour about the fact that as soon as you saw my superior approach and adopted it for yourself. Yeah that you won the next couple of games since you started doing that doesn't sit well with me (laughs) so
0: so let's let's play it another couple of times Mm -hmm. let's figure out if that is still enough to keep bringing us back uh and then we can make a final decision about whether or not this stays on our shelf uh i think for now this game has earned a reprieve uh because we have finally embraced the way that it seems to want us to play it and i think planet x is out there just kind of waiting It's playing some sultry, inviting song like Don't Stop Believin'. So sultry. So sultry. So inviting. And and when we finally get to know its mysteries and we get to explore every inch of what Planet X has to offer, maybe then we can decide if we want to stick around. What do you think?
1: I'm sorry. I just got lost imagining like a film noir yeah. with the, the lounge scene where someone is singing on stage yeah. and she gets up and starts singing Don't Stop Believing.
0: Yep. And she's actually a big planet with big, <laughs> with big googly eyes. <laughs> so now that I'm good and sloshed, can I make you a drink? Sure. Yeah, great. Well, let's see. We'll do a this, we'll do a little bit of this, maybe we'll do a little, bit of this. We'll do a little bullfrog, maybe a little, bit of a little feather in here, some, uh, some scorpion tails, maybe something like that, we'll, we'll mix that up and we'll just do a little of this, yeah, great, mm. now, doesn't that look good? Isn't that a nice healthy shade of green? What do you think? smells froggy. That's just, a, that's
1: just a side taste. And I think I see some kind of a stinger in Look, here. Look, I'll give you
0: a gold. There's a gold in it. Can you just drink it? Oh, well, now you're done Just talking. drink it. Just drink it. <laughs> Excellent. Now tell me exactly how you feel. Negative. Well, while you recover, maybe we can tell our dear listener about this game that we just played called The Alchemists.
1: It is a game about... Mixing things together and brewing potions. Yeah.
0: Mixing things up, taking these ingredients, combining them in, in strange and mysterious ways, and uh, sometimes paying a less than willing student to drink it for you and tell you how they feel.
1: <laughs> because you wouldn't want to have to drink it yourself and risk the repercussions.
0: You, I mean, you could, but uh, we'll get into those repercussions later. Uh, you're going to have yourself a list of ingredients. You've got your purple mushrooms, your Fiddler's fern, your bullfrog, chicken feet, some weird blue flower, a ginger man, a scorpion, and a feather. This is like some weird Lucky Charms deal going on here. Some really gross. (laughs) They're all different colors, too. Gross Lucky Charms. (laughs) The idea is that you're going to combine two of these ingredients at a time to make a potion. And these potions can come in three colors, red, blue, and green, sometimes neutral, and they're going to have a positive or negative effect. Sometimes you can test it on a student. If the student is really reluctant, you can bribe them with some gold. If you don't have the gold, uh, you can try testing it on yourself.
1: And how do you know what your two ingredients will make? Well, you basically hold them up to your app. Yep. Yes, this is an app-driven deduction game. Ah! And the app will take in the images that you have given it and it will tell you what your potion makes with so a really delightful little
0: twinkle sound yeah. actually if you have your sound on it yep. bling, 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 bling 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 like it's quite like satisfying that. yep so every ingredient has what the game calls an alchemical symbol that means that every ingredient is going to have some combination of positive and negative in the three colors and one or more of those alchemical particles will be large or small And what happens when you combine the two ingredients together, the app will look at the two ingredients and see which one has a big symbol and which one has a small symbol of the same color and the same sign. And it will smash those two ingredients together and give you the resultant potion. So for example, purple mushroom, green fiddler fern. If you smash those two together, if the purple mushroom has a big red positive and the green fiddler fern has a little red positive, no matter what the other two colors and symbols are you get a positive red resulting potion
1: yep. and so it's kind of a chemical combination game Yeah, and it's designed so that you will never have a conflict where there could be two possible outcomes yeah
0: all that uh, stuff is taken care of they've they've mathed and logic and scienced all that out so there's if you're overthinking it right now don't i'm i'm telling you right now do not overthink it <laughs> they they make it they actually make it really easy to visualize what each symbol is and how it could possibly interact with all the other different symbols.
1: So if we take your example of the mushroom and the fiddler fern, what did you say it made? It made a
0: red positive. Red
1: positive. Perfect. Let's go with this. So... What you could do is on your scratch sheet that you have, yeah. go down the column of possible alchemicals for the Fiddler Fern and the Purple Mushroom yeah. and just cross off anything that has a red negative, yep. whether it be it large or small. It definitely can't be that. Yeah. that There's
0: long. no way to generate a red negative with those either of those two ingredients.
1: Effectively enabling you to rule out half the possibilities for both of those. Right off the bat. And you just proceed this way through the game, yeah. combining two elements until you're able to deduce what is what
0: yeah so the next question I'm sure you have dear listeners why are we doing this well the main reason we're doing it is so that we can sell these potions to wandering adventurers but also so that we can propose theories about the alchemical symbols that these ingredients are made up of to get victory points for that and to also at the end of the game demonstrate our potion making prowess By on the spot in front of everyone saying, behold, this red positive potion and creating a red positive potion for everyone to see
1: at the end game exhibition at the
0: end game exhibition and and getting all the accolades in the form of reputation, which all turns into victory points, which is the ultimate goal of the game to get the most victory points to be crowned king or queen of alchemy. So this is a
1: victory points game, Paul, eh?
0: It is a victory points (laughs) game. Laura,
1: It doesn't even matter if you know what all the symbols are. Nope. You, can, you can definitely win and be wrong about some things. And
0: let's talk about a little bit about that. The game uh, encourages you to propose theories very early. Uh, in some cases, proposing them right in round two before you've even had a chance to really nail down what, anything, anything <laughs> at all. The game definitely rewards you for proposing theories early and allows you to deal with those repercussions later when you propose a theory you make a kind of a secret bet you publicly say i think purple mushroom is red positive green negative blue positive for example you can propose that to everyone and then you have available to you some little tiles that might have a a five victory point a three victory point and then some question marks The five and the three victory point are exactly that. You're making a secret bet that my theory is absolutely correct. And when it is revealed at the end of the game, I will get five or three points for properly guessing this ingredient's symbol.
1: But if when you place that bet, you are basically just operating on knowledge that two of those are probably right, but you really took a guess on the other one, Mm -hmm. you can hedge your bet for that other one. I'm just going to put down the banner with my secret hedging my bet about the green element symbol 50 50 chance Mm -hmm. and then that way if you're wrong you have no penalty when it's revealed
0: you get you lose nothing you also don't really gain anything when it's revealed but you lose nothing if it's proved wrong
1: but you will have gained something just for proposing the theory even if it is totally wrong yeah and you can This is one of my frustrations with the game, listener. (laughs) In this particular game that we just played this evening. Oh, I'm
0: laughing because, uh, oh, this is a great story.
1: So one of the nice things, obviously, about about proposing theories or having other people propose theories before you is that you can start to maybe use some of that information to make somewhat educated guesses about future potions that you might make.
0: At your peril.
1: At your peril. I, in a last round effort to get points, saw that... not one but two people had confirmed a theory about chicken feet and i thought all of my theories or many of my theories that i had up until this point place i had hedged my bets on because yeah. i put them in so early i just wanted those early points
0: yeah you get you get points early on for proposing theories they don't even have to end up being right the fact that you've proposed them is good enough for the early part of the game
1: yeah for getting some some early points yeah i went down with my five victory point yeah. banner Certain.
0: You saw that Rob and I were proposing and, and getting in on when you propose a theory. Uh, if someone has proposed a theory before you, you can just ride those coattails. You give the person who originally proposed it a little bit of gold, and then you can ride that train, that victory point train, all the way.
1: So I thought certainly these two wouldn't have affirmed yeah. or reaffirmed a, an erroneous assumption. No, it we, must be correct. We absolutely So knew I what we was were like, I need about. some more points for the end game. <laughs> I'm going to put this five pointer down there. Yeah. And then. At the very next part of my turn, when we we're at the exhibition, I used that knowledge about chicken feet that I had just bet on.
0: Behold, this green. I am negative now going potion. to drink a
1: green negative. It was not a green negative. It turned negative out to be a listener. blue positive. It's I don't remember what it different. was. It was it was definitely not what it was supposed <laughs> to be, is the point. And well, I great. immediately looked up and I'm I'm very loath to hold my tongue when I <laughs> Sometimes ought to in games and yeah. really tipped my hand and before anyone else had had a chance to even exit. We can't repeat. There. We
0: can't repeat, dear listener, what she yelled out because this is a family show. I was it. Yeah, she was. She was maternal figure of those who engage in certain behaviors. Is more that, or less what she yelled out. I that may yeah. have been what I said. That uh, may have been
1: what I said. And then I I gave the evil
0: eye to both you and yeah. Rob and I said mm, mm, you too. There's some funk going on here with these theories. Some funk. Yeah. So we propose these theories uh, based on information we gather while combining these ingredients, all for the purpose of gathering victory points. Some extra things you can do. uh, We mentioned earlier there are adventurers wandering through the town. They may come into town and say, "I could use some a red positive, a blue positive, and maybe a green negative potion." And if we know how to put that stuff together, we can sell it to them. We can jockey for a position to be the first person to sell them, and then we can make a guarantee and say, "Hello, weary traveler. I guarantee you that I will make exactly what you're looking for." Blue positive, you say? And then you mix your ingredients, and hopefully you did it right.
1: You can also, especially if you're using that position, as an opportunity to test out another mix of components, you can again hedge your bed a bit and say, I'm going to make you a potion that is the sign that you asked for, but it might not be the same color. Or I'm going to make you a potion that is definitely not the opposite of what you ask for. I don't know what it is, but it's not the opposite. It's not
0: the opposite. Or you can just say, hey, I'm going to make you something. It will be in a bottle and you're pretty much just paying me for the glass. (laughs) You can guarantee that level if you'd like to
1: so you get more money obviously yeah. the the higher quality product that you do sell the traveler
0: yeah you use that money to purchase artifacts artifacts are great ways of making life easier for you for example when you brew a potion you use two ingredients and you have to get rid of both of them but maybe there's an artifact that you've bought that means you only have to get rid of one that's really useful Or maybe there is an artifact out there that says whenever someone brews a potion once per round, you can look at one of those two ingredients to give you some free information that you wouldn't otherwise have.
1: Or in the case of the game that we just played, I had an artifact that made it so I didn't have to pay to propose theories, which is why I went gangbusters on the theories. So it's usually a dollar, one coin to propose a theory. And money is hard to come by in this game, listeners. So. That was, I thought, a pretty pretty strong card to have as well.
0: Yeah, so you, you, you do all this different stuff, and all of this stuff is executed through a worker placement mechanism. You have this big board with all these different actions that we've described. There's some um, fiddly bits with uh, determining turn order. Uh, the earlier you're willing to go, the less benefits you'll get. The later you're willing to go, you'll get some extra rewards in the form of ingredients or favor cards, which are one-time use that will maybe get you some extra ingredients or maybe get you some extra gold when you sell a potion. Or maybe
1: get you an extra cube that turn for, for your worker placementing.
0: For your worker placementing. Uh, so it's not enough to just figure out the matrix of all this stuff. The real challenge of the game is figuring out what you're going to do with that information. Are you going to make money? And if so, how are you going to turn that money into victory points?
1: So let's go over just briefly the other things you can do. We touched on selling potions to travelers. Yep. We touched on buying artifacts. We yeah. touched on drinking potions yeah. and st- Having students drink potions, I think we mentioned that.
0: Highly encouraging your students, maybe with a little extra gold, to drink some potions proposing for you. Proposing theories, and we're missing a couple of things. Yeah, we've got proposing theories, and then we've got debunking theories. Someone slaps down a, a symbol, they say, I think bullfrogs... <clears throat> chicken feet. I think chicken feet are triple positive. Uh, you can you can look at your sheet and say, Mo, oh, but I have information they don't. I don't think that's true at all you can debunk theories as well. You proudly announce, I think that theory is garbage. Because when you combine chicken feet with this other ingredient, it makes a potion such that there's no way chicken feet can be triple positive. And, and then you can humiliate the person who proposed that theory, get a little reputation for yourself, and give yourself a chance to swoop in and, and propose a new theory before anyone else has a chance to do it.
1: I wish that had happened in this past game. The last thing that you can do is uh, forage for more ingredients. And that yeah. ends up being it's one of the cheap things to do, but it's a really important part of the game because every time unless you have an artifact that that saves you from having to do it every time you brew a potion whether you're drinking it yourself giving it to a student selling it to a traveler yep you have to consume those ingredients so you're using two every time you test something
0: you're just trying to keep this this conveyor belt of ingredients coming in so that you can keep testing things so that you can know which ones are what symbols so that you can propose theories or so that you can use that knowledge for selling potions or for exhibiting them at the end of the game. Well, that's that's the game. It sounds like a lot. We just threw a lot at you, especially compared to the search for Planet X, which really is just a logic puzzle.
1: It's this without the worker placement part. A little bit of thinking around the how much time you want to use to take your action, but this adds a whole larger element
0: it's not enough to know what the symbols are and in fact you might even finish the game only knowing what half the ingredients actually do it matters what you do with that information so uh now that we've laid out for you what the game plays like let's talk about how the game makes us feel when we play it
1: well i like this game a lot i
0: really i do too
1: (laughs) it's fun yeah It's, it's it's also i think charming in yeah. that, uh, for example, with the, with the negative potions, when you brew a negative potion and you consume it yourself, you have to suffer the consequences. When you poison a student, you just have to pay the student to keep drinking yeah. potions. Everyone
0: after you, if you fed the student a negative potion, has to pay that student a gold, which maybe ruins someone else's plans because they weren't counting or they were betting that they wouldn't have to pay gold to the student to drink their potions.
1: And if you drink it yourself, then that poison falls to you to consume. And there's the red one, the green one, and the blue one, and the the instruction booklet has a pretty humorous bit where it it explains what each of the poisons actually does. The one that really makes me chuckle is that if you drink a blue negative, I think it's the one that's the insanity potion and you are caught doing naked cartwheels and therefore your reputation suffers a blow.
0: You don't remember doing it, but everyone else sure does. So your reputation drops by one and reputation at the end of the game. It converts is directly into victory points. And the reason why it's reputation during the game is because the more reputation you have, the more likely heroes are to buy potions from you ahead of everyone else. And if your reputation gets high enough in the game, the heroes will even give you some extra money for the mm. potions that you sell them.
1: So, yeah, I like the, the charm of it for yeah. that. Uh, the, the heroes are not particularly exciting. They're kind of bland. It really is just a, a yeah. face card with... Uh, request at the bottom of what they want
0: it feels like it's been generated mathematically mm-hmm. there are six heroes with you know certain combinations of the of the potions and the signs that they want and you get rid of one so there's one that's guaranteed to not show up so you never really know exactly which ones are gonna show up in what order
1: yeah but that part is not particularly thoughtful to me compared to the rest of it which is like I said just really full of character yeah the artifacts are great places to start to give you an idea about how you want to approach your game. Yeah. Lots of fun to different ways to play. I find it very satisfying and I enjoy it even when I don't win.
0: This game is by Czech games edition and their art is always fantastic. Everything uh, looks just, it has just such a, a, a wonderful enticing look. You know exactly what's going on. It's just so charming and whimsical. I really, really enjoy it. I know when I get a CGE game, I'm going to get some excellent art and a a wonderful rule book that is very clear and humorous and lays things out for you in a a perfect way. We've played this game at two players, three players and four players. And it's, I'm gonna say it plays very differently with all three numbers of players. Normally in a two player game, we each have six cubes to work with. Uh, That's a lot of cubes, Uh, all kinds of stuff we get to do. All the way up to a four player game, We have four cubes to work with.
1: But the same number of rounds. Yeah, the
0: same number of rounds to get through, which means you're just not doing as much during a round. It didn't feel like we were that starved for stuff to do. Uh, It felt like there was still so much going on that we didn't feel like the game suffered. I didn't anyway. I didn't feel like the game suffered because of it.
1: Well, I suffered because of you (laughs) and
0: Rob on the chicken (laughs) feed. Sure, but it was not because of your lack of action. It was because we duped you. That's is true. because we just look that's true. Just we just We just got to be first, right? You don't have to be right. You just have to be first. So I'm a little behind on the news. Uh, this kind of just came across my news feed. Um, Do you hear about this? In 1978, on a slightly cloudy but beautiful day, planet Earth was destroyed. Only a small team of scientists had escaped just in time, cramped in an improvised space vehicle, the Palermo 13. So, not only has the Earth been destroyed, but apparently this entire time we've been living on a cramped space vehicle.
1: No, I think what's actually going to happen is that these scientists Mm. obviously must somehow recreate the Earth. Oh, yeah, That's probably what happened. So the Earth is destroyed, they escape, and somehow... Is that what this game is about? Do they recreate
0: the Earth? Recreating the Earth? No. Apparently, uh, they still are trying to figure out where they're actually going to go. Maybe they're going to the Horsehead Nebula. Maybe they're going to the moon. Maybe they're going beyond Bifrost. Who knows? But what we do know is that a couple of no-good dolphins have snuck on board. (laughs) Yeah, those those dolphins, they sneak on board, and they like to do things like put anchovies into floppy drives. That's outrageous. I know. Only Who's, a dolphin would do that. Who still uses floppy drives? <laughs> do, do you know what flop... I, I barely remember what floppy drives are. They're meant to
1: read anchovies, right? Isn't that actually their purpose? No, that
0: didn't come until later. That came <laughs> a couple of years later, after, you know, when, when PCs became mainstream. So here we are we're trapped on a space station and and houston we have a dolphin how will we ever find out who the dolphins are we're gonna find out with the help of this app on a phone with this app driven game No! houston we have a dolphin by the company hybr this is a game that i got on kickstarter i'm not gonna lie i pretty much bought it off the title alone and the fun quirky little art how would you describe this art It has a great
1: art style yeah that's one of the things i like about this game quite a bit actually it
0: kind of has this this really kind of sharp angle retro 50s future depiction yeah of of being in space
1: i think that's a pretty good description and obviously a part of the reason for this style is so that these cards can be read by the operator yeah but it's also a really appealing style for sure they have these great Kind of simple shapes, yeah, uh, and and faces and very graphic elements to their costumes. I, obviously for the for the operator, but it's it's
0: really appealing. Yeah, maybe not graphic, <laughs> not in that sense. <laughs> this is not a. <laughs> that's a different. That's game. That's a different game. This is not a triple X game. I think maybe it's time we launch into a discussion of of how the game plays and what it is we're trying to do. What do you think? Well,
1: we're we're trying to find the dolphin.
0: That's true. Uh, This is a game, it's a social deduction game that plays from three to five players. And in the game, uh, one to two players will be dolphinized. The human players are human, and the dolphinized players are working against the humans. The trick is, the dolphinized players might not actually start the game dolphinized. They might find out partway through the game that they have been dolphinized.
1: So Battlestar Galactica style, you can realize that you are and have been a dolphin all along sometime mid-through the game. It's a possibility. Yep,
0: yep. So uh, here's how the game works. All the humans... And those sneaky dolphins are on a spaceship, the Palermo 13. And the problem is it is shut down. All the lights are off. All the systems are malfunctioning. And the only way we can fix the problem is by rebooting the spaceship. How do we reboot the spaceship, Paul? You have to get the power down low enough so that you can successfully reboot the system. In order to get the power down low enough, you have to detach the three modules that are attached to the spaceship. And the only way we can do that, unfortunately, is for some brave heroes to sacrifice themselves in order to do it. Too bad. Get out there. Do your job, heroes.
1: So how do we actually
0: disconnect the modules, though? Yeah. How does it happen? Yeah. Let's go over uh, Let's go over some of the mechanics here. In the game, you're going to get a board that shows the layout of the space station, and you're going to get a deck of cards. In that deck of cards, you're going to have heroes, you're going to have engineers, you're going to have... Dolphins, and you're going to have some other weirdo characters like observers and the dog and the enigmatic Mr. Microwave. We will get back to those folks later.
1: But mostly, when at least when we first started playing the game, and only very recently did we add those other characters at all, yeah. The heart of the game is around the heroes, the engineers, and the dolphins. Yep. So A successful mission to dislodge a module will involve one hero to go, as you said, and valiantly sacrifice themselves to dislodge the module, supported by an engineer on each side who has either a blue or red arrow, one of each pointing at and supporting the hero. That's a successful mission. Given that this is a social deduction game, all of the cards are played face down, and when you play a card, you have to hover it over the
0: app, so the app knows what the outcome of the mission will be. The app is driving the entire game. Before the game even starts, you run through the entire deck of cards, and based on the parameters you set up for the game, the app knows exactly which player has which cards. So when you scan the cards, the game knows which player has played what cards, because it's got it all going in its crazy technological brain. So uh, a typical round will involve the active player, the captain, uh, designating one other player to pick someone to put down onto the board to commit them to the mission. doesn't have to be a hero right away, but that person who puts someone down then picks someone else and can even pick the person who picked them until three separate characters have been put down on the board ideally as laura said you want a hero in the middle and you want an engineer pointing on either side of them supporting that hero if everything goes well and all of that actually happens then you've detached a module and the person who played the hero can decide if they want to rescue the astronaut that is trapped inside of that module or if they would instead rather take three panic which is the game's currency which is used for voting decisions which we will definitely get to in just a bit.
1: So we talked about how the humans can win the game by successfully coordinating these missions to send a hero out to detach all three modules, whether or not you take the astronaut from the module. If they're all detached, then the captain at the end of this successful detaching of all the modules can vote to restart the ship and then
0: game over, win for the humans. Simple, straightforward, happy path scenario. Great. Great. How do the dolphins win? The dolphins win by making sure that doesn't happen. Uh, In these cards are a couple of dolphin cards. So the dolphin player, in addition to maybe playing cards a little less efficiently or lying about what they're actually playing, they can just straight up include a dolphin on one of these missions, and the dolphin will just murder someone who is on the mission. Let's talk about how the different characters can die in this game. Oh, there's so many ways to die. So many ways to die in space. So in our sample situation where you have uh, the hero and an engineer on both sides, the app will play some suspenseful music and tell you if the mission was a success or not. If the mission was not a success, it could be for a variety of reasons. It could be because... Uh, one of the engineers was not pointing at the hero, and so the hero wasn't supported properly. It could be the hero wasn't actually a hero, or it could just be random chance. Sometimes the app will just have about a 20% chance of just killing one of the astronauts on the mission. And the thing is, the app won't tell you how the astronaut died. So even if all three cards contributed to the mission were from human players, there's that little bit of mistrust little bit of, of doubt. Yeah, and so you might erroneously think there's a dolphin character involved. Yep. Also, there could be a dolphin living in one of the modules. So everyone at the table is a human player until one of those modules is opened and it's a dolphin card. The game's going to know that you, the person who played the hero card and are making the choice... To save the astronaut to save in the, the module astronaut, and take that person into your hand. The game's going to absolutely know that you have just become a dolphin player. And
1: that is exactly how the very last round ended <laughs> in our previous game. Yeah. So our friend Rob was here, yeah. and he had the honor of being the hero to save the person trapped in the final module. Yeah. He took that card into his hand. Oh, yeah. So we had brave. successfully... <laughs> dislodged all the modules oh, we the ready. captain we who had was a human yeah. said okay let's reset the spaceship we took a vote the dolphin player didn't have enough panic we should talk about the panic and the voting we're gonna um was, was not able to override that that ruling and then we succeeded in uh winning the game for the humans however poor rob who had been a human yep. up until that very point yep. unfortunately drew the dolphin card from the module and subsequently lost the game and became dolphinized
0: <laughs> So let's talk about panic. We've mentioned it a couple of times. Panic is the currency that is used in the game to be able to override the captain's decisions. It's these cute little wooden lightning bolt tokens. These cute little wooden lightning bolt tokens. The thing that that sucks about being the captain is after the mission is complete, the captain has to throw someone out of the ship. They don't really explain why.
1: The, what's the why logic within the game? Yeah. And, murky at best. Yes. What's the why logic
0: mechanically. Overarching
1: mechanically is that it's the timer for the game. Yeah. Is you're constantly every round losing at least one astronaut. Yeah. Usually somebody dies on a
0: mission as well. It's very rare that somebody won't die on a mission. Yeah. After the mission is complete, the captain will pick a player to pick one of the cards from their hand and eject that card from the game. And this is where panic comes into play. If the other players don't like that idea, the other players can secretly choose an amount of panic that they have stored up. They can secretly put an amount in their hands and they put their hands out on the table and they go one, two, three, reveal. And if enough panic gets revealed, the captain gets overthrown. Captain then ends up getting thrown out of the space station. And the person who contributed the most panic becomes the new captain. You can use this panic that you have earned over the course of the game to overthrow just about any decision the captain makes who to throw off the space station, whether or not to restart the machine, and finally, whether or not to flood the spaceship, which is one of the ways the Dolphin Player can win, by getting themselves to be captain and then voting to flood the spaceship and nobody else having enough panic to overrule the vote, which is what one of our friends tried to do but didn't realize that she was out-panicked because certain people were keeping their panic just a little too hidden. (laughs) Yeah, some people were keeping their panic just a
1: little too hidden. I wasn't trying to hide the panic. What what had happened was I, in a previous round of voting, had palmed my panic so that I could do the, you know, am I gonna vote or not? Yeah, yeah. Reveal of what's in my hand. You forgot to unpalm. And I forgot to unpalm. To unpalm. Yeah, it's true.
0: So uh that's that's it. We've got we've got humans who are trying to Detach these three modules. You have dolphins who are trying to stop that from happening by being inefficient or just straight up murdering other players and not getting caught and or dolphins trying to save up enough panic to be able to overthrow the captain and flood the spaceship and win the day.
1: And also, either side can win by simply killing all of the astronauts from the opposing team. That's
0: always an option. If, if you know which players are dolphins and which players are humans, yeah, you can orchestrate a, a mass murder of that, those players' cards. So we've talked about engineers. We've talked about heroes. Uh, there's a couple of extra little uh, weird special powers in here. We have observers. Observers will look in a certain direction, and they will report back what they see. It might say something like, Dr. Miles saw Julia.
1: The app will announce to all players that that Observer character was present and what that Observer character saw. Yeah, it doesn't say where the
0: Observer was or who played the Observer, but it does just say something like, Dr. Miles saw Julia. And then we all have to decide amongst ourselves who played Dr. Miles, who played Julia, was Julia the right card to play, that kind of thing. We have uh, Doggo. Doggo is like a hero in that they... Can be in between engineers, but um, if engineers are on either side of someone that is not a hero, normally they squish or kill. That's what I've been saying, they squish them. They squish them. If an engineer is on either side, they'll, uh, they'll squish that person, uh, but Doggo can't be squished. We haven't quite figured out the usefulness of Doggo yet, and because this is such a not widely available game, there's not a whole lot of strategy discussion out there. And I'm not exactly a Sun Tzu when it comes to the art of social deduction game war. So we have Doggo. And then finally, we have Mr. Microwave. If Mr. Microwave dies, everyone on the mission dies. Um, We haven't had a chance to use Mr. Microwave yet, but I'm looking forward to the first time that happens because that'll probably be hilarious. So we have all these special characters. We have this interaction between engineers and heroes. And you put it all together, and we have what I think is a nice, fun little social deduction game. All right, can you put the uh, record
1: scratch sound in here? Because I don't like this game. <laughs> 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 I thought maybe I had made that clear at some point. Yeah. Have I? Have I made that clear? This no, is this, is, you right this, is, this
0: is new to you right now. This is new. Dear listener, you and I are hearing this right now.
1: So the things that I like about this game are... The name. Yeah. The art style. Although, to be honest, I could use a little more like representation, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, And the whimsy of it. Yeah. Those are the things I like. Yeah. What I don't like is actually playing the game. It's the game itself. (laughs) Okay. So the the app does a really good job it's a little it can be a little finicky as far as reading the cards and sometimes that slows things down but that's really a very minor complaint overall it does a pretty good job yeah the thing that i don't like and this is a little bit me in social deduction games period i also don't like secret hitler yeah who don't like those games but this one i find especially challenging And that is that there are so many ways to fail a mission, Yeah, including if you have a successful setup, you can still have an asteroid come and destroy you. And it's a really narrow window to get things right because you need a hero to successfully dislodge a module every time. And there are only a finite number of heroes to be played. Yeah. And if they're all played, and I, we've played several games like this, where all the heroes are depleted from everyone's decks, or you know, at least the people who are being honest about it, usually maybe the dolphin might have one, but they don't want to supply it. Yeah, And it's just impossible to win by ejecting the modules. And you're left with just the option of, figuring out who the dolphin is and killing that person. Yeah. And it's really tricky to do because to kill someone's whole hand of cards means that you either have to successfully squish them with engineers several turns in a row. Yep. Or you need to have the captain always choose to adjust that person, but you can't leave them out of the mission because if you keep leaving them out of the mission, they'll get panicked and then they'll overthrow you. So it's a really tricky game. I always feel like the only time it's been really satisfying. Yeah for me, is those couple of times we've played this where the social deduction aspect really worked out and we were able to figure out who the dolphin was and band together to, to get rid of that person. But those games are few and far between. And more often, I find that the humans either stumble to victory yeah. or the dolphin wins.
0: So you've made a, a very clear case for why <laughs> we should not have this game. I am in agreement with you in a lot of this. I love the name Houston. We have a dolphin. I love putting it out on the table in front of people who have never seen a game like it before. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is it's a unique game in our collection. It's from a small little publisher, and I'm glad I gave him my money. I would love to see a newer edition with some newer special powers and maybe some rules that make it a little easier for both sides to kind of figure out what's going on and, and who's doing what. I wonder if there's a little bit of strategy that we still just haven't figured out yet. There is certainly a strategy that
1: we have not figured out yet. In fact, well, the last game we played, Dear Listener, actually discovered something new, which is that there is a possibility that a mission will neither be a success... Nor a failure, and it, the app will literally say nothing happened.
0: Yep, it'll just say nothing happened. Yeah, it, it's it's weird that that is it's a weird thing to see.
1: It is. I was under the impression that every single mission would lose a person. Yeah. In and, addition to the person that the captain
0: throws out, and it turns out sometimes that doesn't happen. Yeah. Which can make things feel a little weird. Let's assume for a second that you and I discovered the strategy. We stared at the cards enough, and the little beads of sweat formed on our brow, and we and we finally just look at each other and we say we've done it then what do we do then every time we bust this game out we have to then not only explain the rules but then we have to explain the whatever however many layers of strategy that we have figured out so that the people who've never played it before and probably will not play it again can then utilize that strategy to play this game for what purpose strategy for social deduction games in my opinion should be pretty apparent someone who's never played the game before and has been explained to the rules should be able to understand how they can deceive other people if they end up being the traitor. I do think that the dolphin
1: ha- actually has a pretty easy time of deceiving people because there are so many ways things that can go wrong.
0: Yeah, maybe this is the inverse then, right, where the humans have no idea how to actually tell who is a dolphin because it's built into the game. People sometimes just die, and you don't know how, and you don't know why, and you just have to hope that it doesn't keep happening. You don't know if it was a dolphin that did it or if it was just a rogue asteroid. So I think we are circling around and about to land on a conclusion here. I think this is our first, this is my first ouch. This might be my first ouch where I have to go, oh, man. So here's why I think we should keep this game. Should we start there? Oh, it's throwing me a lifeline here.
1: Because you ah. love it so much. It is clear to me how much you like this game. I know. You you, you bust it out. You like seeing everyone, the look on everyone's faces when they're introduced to this strange game. It's so
0: strange and quirky. I just, I really like it. It is really easy to, to take places. It plays quickly. It's in a small box. If it took up a lot more space on my shelf, I would be a little bit more willing to get rid of it. But it's in such a slim box. It's a memorable game. It is a memorable game, and I vastly prefer it to those other
1: social deduction games that I mentioned. Yeah,
0: so I think uh, we were we were circling, we were about to we were about to land on a conclusion, but just at that last minute, <laughs> Laura swoops in and gives me permission to keep the game on the shelf. I'll take it. I'll take that, and I will run with it. It's like Earth just rematerialized from 1978. Whoa, 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 whoa. And th- there's bell bottoms everywhere. <laughs> Three games in the can, another episode on the books. Um, senior year podcast, high graduation, and this is where we decide if we're gonna, you know, take a gap year and go discover ourselves. I have a feeling we're gonna go to college, mm. and we're
1: gonna probably get a master's, and probably multiple PhDs. Wow! And then have trouble finding a job.
0: And <laughs> oh man, things just got real. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I think I will take that gap here. Go do some ayahuasca in Peru. And in Machu Picchu. Is that in Peru? I don't know.
1: Are you making fun of me? That is my dream.
0: That is your just, <laughs> That's that is after starting a podcast. Um that was your the, That's now, true. That's, <laughs> that's your that's new dream. That's my second dream. That's exactly. your second exactly. dream. Exactly. So great. Thank you for listening, dear listener. Um and uh We hope you check these games out. There are there are three
1: well, two good ones and one that will put a smile on your face. That will face. put a smile
0: on your face, and, you know, you might like it. Check out these games. Yeah. You'll have fun. You'll have fun. So until next time, dear listener, uh, I want to thank you for uh, honoring us with your parents. So I'm a little behind on the news. Uh, this came came across my, my news feed. Um, <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. You kind of just You kind of you just You just called an audible there didn't you You're not
1: going to tell me how you want to do this one I'm going to throw a dolphin sound in <laughs>
0: Please never have that be Your, your default No Nope